tell you a story about the house run blue. I come home one Friday, had to tell the landlady I done lost my job. She said, that don't confront me, long as I get my money next Friday. Now next Friday I come, I didn't get the rent, and out the door I went. Welcome to Basketball Buzz, the show that combines three great things, Kentucky basketball, college basketball, and bourbon. I'm one of your three hosts, Arizona Terry. With me are Shane Michael. Guys, how are we doing? Doing all right. I mean, the Cats didn't make it to the Final Four, but that's not surprising. But considering uh, the circumstances, not bad, not bad. Yeah, I'm feeling kind of numb to most of it. Uh, Like other Kentucky fans, I've had a few days to uh, let it sink in. It is what it is. Uh, It's going to be a great Final Four. Uh, Really strange, really odd. I know we're going to talk more about that tonight. Uh, But overall, I got to say, like, college basketball, it it does not suck. It it always gives you something fun and exciting to root for, and that's why we're here. Yeah, I mean, uh, Kentucky season is done early once again. We'll chat more about that, but we got a good show, I think so. We're going to talk about, you know, the Cats' uh, NCAA win and the loss. We'll discuss the roster and what we think it'll look like next season. We'll talk about Cal. Is Cal in a hot seat? We'll see. Uh, And the Final Four. You know, it's a very odd Final Four. There's obviously one major contender, but you never know. Uh, There's other teams that could definitely cause some difficulty. Does that sound pretty good? Let's do it. Now, guys, are are we sipping bourbon tonight? Are we talking about bourbon? What's what's our our plan for, for tonight? Well, uh, we're talking about bourbon, but uh, I'm not sipping bourbon tonight, sadly. But I'll go. I, I am going to review a bourbon, though. So uh, I, sure. unfortunately, as as you guys, as I've told you guys, I made the difficult decision to have a dry month uh, to kind of reset. Uh, you know, find a little bit of more balance in uh, health in my life, and um, have some major things going on in life, which you guys know about, which are awesome, great things that really require a lot of my my focus and attention and with the baby. So just taking this, this month to be dry. And at the end of this month, I'm sorry, a month from now I'm heading to Hawaii. So we'll definitely be having some cocktails in Hawaii. That's for sure. Excellent. (laughs) Awesome. So where in Hawaii? Uh, We're going to Maui and then I'm actually going in the summer back to Oahu and Honolulu. So there'll be two Hawaii trips this year, which is kind of nice. I got my paternity leave coming up that I didn't take. So uh, getting to use that all this year. But when it comes to bourbon, I actually am going to be reviewing the Elijah Craig small batch, which is my first time drinking Elijah Craig. Uh, some background about the bourbon. It's from Heaven Hill Distillery, which is in Bourbon County, Kentucky. Uh, it's 47% alcohol. So what's that about? Uh, 90 something proof, 94 proof. Yeah. Like that. My math's all right. <laughs> I'm sober and can't do math. The math fell heavily... <laughs> Heavily on the corn, so 78% corn, 10% rye, 12% barley. Uh, it's aged around eight years, but it's it's really not stated. Um, again, this is a very traditional bourbon, some dry, grassy nuttiness with caramel, some coffee flavors. Uh, you also get kind of like a burnt flavor in there a little bit. Um, I wouldn't say it's a particularly complex bourbon, but there are a lot of distinct flavors there. I taste a little bit of just slight bit of spice, but not as much as something like a, um, uh, like a bullet. 
And and again, in in the the notes that go on, traditional honey, vanilla, a little bit of grass, citrus. So it, it's a decent bourbon. Um, I will be honest and say that it, I wasn't the hugest fan of it. I think I it was a it was a pound for pound like good for the price. And I think I got a liter for like twenty five dollars at Costco. So I think I would reach for something else given the choice. Um, now that I've been drinking Woodford and I've become kind of converted to a Woodford, it's really hard to go back to an Elijah Craig. I probably prefer Bullet over Elijah Craig as well. So I'm probably going to give this a three out of five barrel rating. Uh, it's certainly not a horrible bourbon. If it's there and that's what you have to drink, I would not be ashamed drinking it. But I think there's some better bourbons for the price. Um, I think it's known as a budget bourbon, right? Is it? I don't know. If yeah, it, is. it really is. Um, I, I like it. It's fine. I actually keep the rye around because it's good for oh, really? old fashions. Um, I, I actually bought a, a barrel proof uh, recently and it's really good. It's just, you know, the cost is about double or yeah. triple. I think this would be great in cocktails. There's a little bit of like a ethanol alcohol flavor in there that you can taste, which might be a good bite to cut through a lot of the other things that you put in a cocktail. Uh, whereas something like a, something that's more smooth, like a Woodford or something like that, where you probably wouldn't want to mix it. Um, so it definitely has its place. Um, yeah, not a bad bourbon by any chance, just not my favorite one. And I can't quite put my finger on why. I think it's just my palate has become a little bit more refined now. And so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to kind of sway, kind of move away from, from those. But yeah, again, not, not a, not a bad bourbon, not an embarrassing bourbon by any means. Cool. I like it. So, um, I, I'm, I'm cheating tonight. Um, I, I've got a cup full of Maker's Mark and Coca-Cola. Um, this is uh, me kind of weaning myself off of uh, bourbon for uh, a few days, uh, like <laughs> Shay. I, I think it's it's helpful uh, to, to do that sometimes. Um, I, this used to be my absolute go-to. Um, now when I go out, um, when I'm just at the bar, I normally do Maker's Rocks. Um, but Maker's Coke, um, I mean, you can't go wrong. It, if you like something that's sweet and you're not stuck on just sipping bourbon itself, like this is a very traditional drink, um, really whether you're 21 or, or 51. Um, on the nose, uh, I, I smell uh, uh, chalk from uh, from a bar as I'm shooting pool. Um, on, on the on the palate, uh, there's a mixture between uh, Collective Soul um, and Billy Joel. Um, the 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 finish is uh, definitely uh, an Uber ride home. Um, and I got to say that this has actually always been one of my favorites. Um, I, I went to uh, just doing uh, Maker's Rocks really as a function of not wanting to have the extra calories more than anything else. Uh, the Coke does add a sugar bomb to it. And even though I do like the sweeter bourbons, um, this is probably now too much for me. Kind of like you, Shay, like once you went to the Woodford, it's hard to go back to something else, even if you liked it before. I used to love Makers and Coke, and don't get me wrong, it, it, it still has its its purpose in my life, but um, I now find that it's even too sweet for me, so it, it's easier. I used to just like plow through these like it was lemonade. Uh, now, because of the sweetness, it takes me a little bit longer to get through it, and overall, that's probably a, a better situation for me to be in, um, but if I'm going to uh, barrel rate this, um, Nostalgia gives it uh, five barrels. Uh, reality gives it probably two and a half. That's that's a great review. You know, I used to be huge with uh, makers and ginger ginger ale. Like I, yep. I, I still like it. Every once in a while, I have it, but you know, it is sweeter 
And you start drinking makers or anything on the rocks. It's kind of a perfect thing. You get the flavor, waters down a little bit. Sometimes it enhances the flavor. It's it's a good thing. But you know what? Every time I go to a bar, somebody's ordering a makers and Coke. What every, we do every time. So for my review tonight, I'm doing Rowan's Creek. And you probably have seen it when you go to a liquor store. They almost always have Noah's Mill and Round Creek kind of side by side. Uh, they're they're both Willet bourbons. Now, prior to 2010, um, Willet sourced the, the whiskey from a lot of different distilleries. Then 2020 rolled around, and they started doing their own distilling in Bardstown, Kentucky. So they do their own stuff now. So how do I describe this bourbon? You know, Noah's Mill is one I really enjoy. It's about 115 proof. This one's a low, this is a lower proof. Rounds Creek is a hundred, right? It's, it's a lower proof, uh, not as potent. Now, some people have this price in the $40 range. I do not see that price where I'm at. It's in the low fifties. So it puts it in that little, it's a tough price point. There's a lot of competition and it's a hundred proof. So the thing about this bourbon, well, I'll start with it or off the bat with it, with the nose, very oaky. Almost like an earthiness, grassy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's unique. Then there's the other side of it, spicy. Like it's almost like baking spices. And I, I swear, man, when you smell it, it's like oak barrel and cinnamon. <laughs> so it's, it's very distinct. Maybe allspice, black licorice. I don't know. There's spice in it. When you sip it, same thing comes out. That spiciness is in there, but that oak is there as well on the finish the same thing some people do not like this bourbon and it might be because the older um rounds rounds creek you got was supposedly up to 12 year old bourbon it was different it might have been better um nowadays people you know you're not going to get the same quality maybe price point might be a little bit higher so it's one of those tough bourbons. Some folks might like it. Some don't. I highly encourage you to try it. You know, buy a bottle. It, it's a beautiful bottle. It looks like a nice wine bottle. Um, it's not super high proof. So you can, you, can, you can drink it neat or on the rocks easily. I wouldn't mix it with anything. I think it's too earthy for a lot of cocktails. I don't think it'd be a good fit. If you can find it around 50 bucks, that would be ideal. But give it a shot. Right. If you already had Noah's meal, why not buy the little brother? Combine them together, have them on your shelf. I'm going to give it three and a half barrels out of five. I think it's priced pretty fairly and it's got a unique flavor profile. You know, you got an earthiness, you got some cinnamon spice. Give it a shot. Solid. Nice. All right. Let's dive in here. Let's talk about the Cats NCAA tournament. First game, Providence. How nervous were you guys for this game? Because I was a, kind of a wreck. Like, if we lost this game, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. So we have seen the worst thing possible. Like, okay, let's back up a little bit. As Kentucky fans, we realize that when it comes to Kentucky, the the basketball gods hate us for some reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, anything can happen, no matter the David versus Goliath battle. Like, we anybody can lose, and we convinced ourselves of that. But it was always like an abstract idea in our head, like this could happen, and it never actually ever ends up happening. And I remember right. before the St. Peter's game, 
know, Jack Pilgrim was like, oh, St. Peter's, they look horrible and shoot around. I expect this to be a 40-point game. And I thought to myself, how funny would it be if St. Peter's actually won this game? And then they did. And now, on the other side of it, we have seen the worst-case scenario actually happen. Like, and we've been lived in that reality for a year now. So we know that our first round game against an okay team like Providence, a pretty good team, could happen. So the problem is that here on out, we have seen the worst case scenario happen, and we're going to have that same feeling every first round game from here on out, which sucks. Like, it absolutely sucks. Like, this yeah. is what our, this is our life now, forever. Like, until they, I'm six feet under. And so, <laughs> um, uh, you know, maybe even after that, I don't know. And uh, but like getting that big monkey off her back was great. I thought Jacob. It's been so long, I can't remember what happened, but I thought Jacob Toppin played fantastic. I mean, he reminded all of college, college basketball. You guys saw me. I got into it with uh, um, what's his face, Terrence Ogles Oglesby from the round of '68, where he was calling out Kentucky for misusing uh, Bryce Hopkins, and I corrected it and I told him like, look, Bryce Hopkins was out of shape last year. He had, was playing under two guys. That had three years experience each. What do you expect Kentucky to do? Kind of get rid of Jacob Toppin for him? And then Jacob Toppin came in and showed Bryce Hopkins like who the better player was. And it was very clear on that day. Like the Big East is not the SEC. I think there was like one definitive play where I think uh where Bryce went up for like a dunk and just Jacob swatted the absolute living hell out of him and then took the ball down the other court and like laid it in or something like that. And I was like, this is like this is like where I think I also made the joke where it was like a, a very, very heartwarming picture of uh, Jacob Toppin playing basketball with his son. So um, I thought that was a real, that was like a Jacob Toppin game. I was very happy that they won. Uh, we were in control and we really showed we were the better team. Um, of course, we kind of ran into a buzzsaw or a buzzsaw until yesterday in the second round. I mean, K-State is a very, very good team and they have been all year and they had did I tell you guys they had like nine quad one victories before like and no quad three or four losses? I didn't think that I was surprised we were favored. I mean, uh, they played in the Big 12. They they got tested every night. So it's not surprising that we lost to them. I personally didn't feel like this Kentucky team was built to go very far. I mean, we had trouble stringing together three, four victories. So I'm not surprised and I'm not ashamed of them. I mean, the season is what it is. I was very proud of them to show fight, but like I think people were a little bit unrealistic. A team lost to Vanderbilt twice in the span of a week. And then you were really and couldn't even get out of the first round of the SEC tournament. And now you're kind of angry that they lost in the second round. I mean, they finished right where they kind of supposed to finish. You know, one of the best 32 teams in the nation. Okay, they are. But probably not better than – they're not one of the best 16 teams in the nation. And it is what it is. Shay, I, I really hope that uh, you don't have to go many years – thinking that Kentucky can get put out in the, the first round. Uh, l l let me tell you, um, I, I lived through the uh, first round in 1982 when a six-seeded Kentucky team lost uh, by, I don't know, half a dozen points to the 11-seed Middle Tennessee in the opening round. And, um, I mean, they, they had some pretty good seasons after that, including what happened in 84. So I, I hope that that will go away for you at some point. Uh, but I think the the sting of St. Peter's uh, definitely had all Kentucky fans on edge, especially with a Providence team that had a pretty good resume, and they had Bryce Hopkins, uh, a known commodity to Kentucky fans. And um, 
I would say I was a little nervous going into that game, not really because of Bryce Hopkins. Um, I felt like he was going to get his, but Kentucky would shut down everybody else. Um, as it played out, it looks like um, Hopkins really was more or less a non-factor in the game. Um, and Kentucky, I, I really felt like, um, for the most part, was in control the whole time. Um, even when the scoreboard may have suggested otherwise, um, I never really felt um, after the first three or four minutes of the game uh, all that nervous as a fan watching the game. Um, Oscar took control, had every rebound that there was to be had, uh, which was ultimately as impressive as it gets. Um, you know, you had some really uh, pretty good guard play from, from Reeves, uh, who, who hit some buckets. I uh, really wish that he could have done that in the second game. But overall, I think this was one of Kentucky's better defensive efforts of the season. Um, on the other side, Providence uh, shot 36%. Uh, they were only 5 out of 24 from long range. Um, Kentucky, I think, kind of executed the way that we had hoped that they would and knew that they could. And I think that's why after that Providence game, um, a lot of fans felt uh, pretty confident going into a Kansas State game um, with a team that I was really high on all season long. Uh, Keontae Johnson is a great college basketball, a great human story. Um, but I think we may have slept on um, uh, the little point guard um, who it turns out. Say his name. Can, say his name. <laughs> or uh, or, or oh, oh, what? Is, 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 is that going to repeat itself? Uh, I, I, I love I love Noel. He, he's he, you know, as somebody uh, who's who goes, you know, five, eight on the driver's license, probably five, seven in reality. It's always impressive for me to see um, those guys out there that are playing a game so skillfully, being able to see like he does. His court vision is amazing. Um, but he had uh, 19 assists in one of the tournament games to create a new tournament record. Like the, the, the team that Kentucky played, Kansas State was a good team. The team that Kentucky played on that day was an elite team. And, um, you know, Kentucky had every chance to win and couldn't knock down shots when they needed to. Um, and I, I don't actually feel too bad about that because I've, I really think Kentucky got the shots and it was a matter of execution. And some days you hit them and you win the game. And some days, some day, games you don't and you have to take the L. And unfortunately, the latter happened to Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky hung with a really good team and pretty almost nearly won that game. If it wasn't the last three or four minutes, they lost that last segment. Um, but like, like you said, that team was feeling it. They were hungry. I feel almost feel bad for them because they look like a monster team heading into the elite eight, you know, and um, you know, their vibe was right. Their coach, every, everything was going right for them. And, and, um, that second game they played against Michigan State, I mean, Michigan State played out of their mind. I don't know if Kentucky was beating that Michigan State team either. So, um, you know, sorry to interrupt you, Terry. It's it's just – No, that's right. I, that's I, right. I, I see that – I saw – it's sad that Cats lost in the second round. They could have easily gone to the Sweet 16 and lost. How different will we feel as Kentucky fans? we got to be more realistic about a team that wasn't even going to be in the NCAA tournament like three weeks ago. I'm still proud of them. I'm so proud of their fight. Um, they they did they they lost to a higher seeded team, right by three seeds. So it wasn't like they lost to a no one. Of course, the after game banter and the, the comments were kind of unnecessary. But um, 
you know, I'm, I'm glad, Michael, that you said that you forgot about what happened in 84. Um, 84 was a really long time ago. What was Jesus like, Michael? <laughs> mm, I, I, I mean, I, honestly, uh, you sat behind he, him in class, right? <laughs> he, he, he was a college basketball fan, too. Um, can't say that he was much on the bourbon, but, you know, we, we had some good conversations back in the day. It, it's, it's all good, really. Can you ask him when his dad stopped being a Kentucky fan? Because <laughs> I, I tell you, it, it, it's painful. But I mean, Shay, you you, you said that in jest, but um, you know, it, it's it feels like that to Kentucky yeah. fans, especially when we see brackets opening up. Yeah, and we're like, we could have, you know, walked through those parted seas, but it was not meant to be. Um, but you know, other teams say that as well. Yeah. And I, I never want us to be so myopic that we can't actually see reality. It's, it's, it's different when the deck is stacked in your favor. And as Kentucky fans, let's be honest, the deck is always stacked in our favor. We have better talent. We have better athletes. We have better coaches. We have better everything than most teams, most years, not every team and not every team every year. But we go into to these games expecting to win. So our, um, our ceiling is always uh, really, really high in our minds. And we're never prepared when we have a poor shooting night. It doesn't go our way. We don't play to the, the level that we're capable of. And then when we see um, four seeds and five seeds and nine seeds, taking care of business and stepping into the final four, it, it hurts. It, it, it hurts as a fan. It hurts our pride a little bit. Uh, but I'm hoping as a program, we can take this as a learning experience and, you know, next year have the right guys in the right positions, doing the right things. And all you can do is hope that you get another shot at it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll just quickly give my two cents. and We'll move on to the next topic. But the Providence win was, it was great. Jacob Toppin was outstanding, 18.6 boards. Bryce finished with seven and eight, but Jacob was definitely the superior player and uh, the player of the game for sure. Kansas State, um, I we were up eight in the second half. I thought we had it, but Noel was tremendous, 27 points, nine assists, um, and then we had Toppin and Reeves going two for 22. Kind of hard to win games if <laughs> you shoot that poorly, and that's – that was the ball game, folks. Those two factors were, were everything. We had good looks. We had open looks. They just didn't drop. So disappointing. And we've lost to Kansas State twice now where the brackets have opened up. You know, I, I do That's feel right. like we, we would have played Michigan State pretty well. Who knows? Michigan State beating Marquette was just like ugh, salt in the wound, man. It was It was it tough, was. so. But how, how about that play Kansas State had versus FAU where Noel acted like he was arguing with their head coach? Yeah. That, that was beautiful. And he, he lobbed it up to Keontae for that reverse jam. I'm like, yeah. that's, that's fucking baller, man. I'm sorry. I, I, will say really about, I will say about the kid is like he is a really awesome showman when he's winning, but when he loses, he's kind of got a sore loser's mentality. He didn't want to shake hands with uh, – with that squad, who did they lose to the other night? Um, FAU. Uh, FAU. They didn't want to. He didn't want to shake hands with them. So I was like, uh, you know, he's a cool kid, but. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. Kind of have some have some grace, man. Yeah. All right. We're done with the cats. We'll talk about the final four in a little bit. <clears throat> Roster. That's going to be the topic for the rest of the summer. We're going to have every podcast <laughs> about the roster because we know what's coming in. We don't know who's going to leave. And there's probably a transfer or two potentially involved. Who knows? So, Shay, can you lead us off with this discussion? Oh, yeah, it's going to be a long discussion. I mean, there's going to be a lot of turnover this this offseason. I think more than we expected. I think we expected a lot of guys back. And I think there's some guys that are looking for other opportunities that now that the NIL is a thing, um, it's kind of like free agency, which is you're going to have to recruit your own guys back every year. But you also know that Kentucky reloads faster than any other team. So, you know, if we lose some guys, it's okay. We'll be able to field a roster of really good players. And I mean, if you're looking at the final four, you don't need the, the five stars or you need all the, the the big name players. You need a group of guys that play really well together. So I'm, I'm confident that we field a roster. That's really good. Um, we're going to have movement on the coaching level too. I think there's going to be two or three coaches that, move on from Kentucky. I think Chin Coleman probably will go to either get a, a job closer to Chicago. Um, there have been some mixed reviews on him uh, when it comes to roster or player development and scouting. Uh, I think Josh Pastner might actually come in and become an assistant coach at UK. Uh, Bruiser Flint might move on, either retire or look for a head coaching, coaching job. We might get a another assistant to come in as well, hopefully help out with uh, scouting because um, – Calipari and Antigua together kind of have recruiting unlocked. We don't really need any more guys to recruit. And as you know, KT is moving on to a head coaching gig, which is really awesome for him. And Good surprising that uh, and notice how highly respected he is because he got a coaching job in Texas before Jai Lucas did. So um, something to say about us having being able to have him for a year. But that's the coaching. Uh, when it comes to the roster, I mean, I think I'll just kind of run down the roster I think sure. Severe Wheeler is going to be able to probably transfer. He kind of knows that his role is going to DJ next year. Um, he really wants to be the starter at point guard. Can he be a high-quality starter at point guard? I don't know if he's going to be able to do that in the SEC. I heard K-State is actually surprisingly very interested in him. Their assistant coaches um, recruited him to Texas A&M when he was an assistant there. Uh, Ulrich Maligi, who's actually one of the best assistants in the nation. Um, K-State actually poached him from Texas. So – um, really, really good assistant coach, um, and uh, so you might see you might see Severe Wheeler go go there, try to recreate what Noel did, but you know he's not the same kind of player. As I, 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 just, I just don't see the same player. Yeah, yeah I mean he, he and him not playing. I mean, I don't know if we're ever going to fully get the story, but I really don't think he was in great shape to play, I and mean, he didn't look like he was in great shape. So I don't know how much he was going to help us. Um, going down uh, some of the guys that I think will leave are Chris Livingston. Um, you know, him being a clutch client, Rich Paul, I uh, think they'll try to get him drafted. So we'll probably see him do that. He might even transfer to a school, which kind of gives him a bigger role. But I, I think more than more likely than not, they're going to try to get him drafted, knowing that he kind of wants to be a shooting guard, small forward, which he's not. And we have Justin Edwards in, who is, who can play those two positions. Um, who else? We... Pretty certain that Oscar, Toppin, and Kaysen are going to move on. I think Oscar is going to probably go try his hand at pro, and it's best for Kentucky and best for Oscar if we kind of part ways and kind of focus on building a roster where we're in protection is more valued and pick and roll defense, and we kind of have to absorb the rebounding and scoring from other players. Kaysen's obviously going to be a lottery pick or a mid-first-round pick. 
Um, I think Jacob Toppin's been around long enough and he he's wanted to go pro for a while. And I think he's kind of shown enough where he may not get drafted, but I think he'll get, he'll make an NBA roster just kind of through the G league or through, through free agency. Do you think Jacob will get a serious look by some teams? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. He's going to get a very serious look by some teams. I mean, last year when uh, teams came to see Keon Brooks work out, they were more impressed with Jacob Toppin. They thought he was an NBA player. Um, and his brother's already in the league, so they they know he's got some good bloodlines with late bloomer. Uh, he can do a lot of really good things on the court. Maybe he won't ever be a star in the NBA, but he could be a good rotation or three and D guy. Um, I think you, I, I think you know, you'll see him on an NBA roster sooner than later. Maybe not immediately, but I think you will. I, I have a weird feeling about him um, showing a lot of things and. I, I think he had, a, he, had a, he had a great year. I think he had a great year. I thought he really was becoming more and more consistent obviously he had ups and downs but it started really really bad and then it became to the point where at one point i was like i was really confident in how good he was and it was clear that he was better than everyone else on the court but i think when you just become that good it takes time to build that consistency night in and night out and you know by the end of the season i think he had built that the the last game withstanding he had built that by the end of the end of the season. So I think he moves on. The big question um, is Adu Thiero and, and Ugo, Ugana Kingsley. I think Adu is back for sure. Ugo is in a weird situation where he's from another country. He's got a he's got a group of people that kind of helped him get to this country. They know that he loves Kentucky, but you know, there are a lot of new coaches in the Big East where he's kind of from that Northeast area that kind of promise him everything could promise him a star role. And he knows that Aaron Bradshaw's coming in and Aaron Bradshaw's another clutch client and the clutch client clutch rich Paul and clutch kind of want to see their guys get more playing time. One of the reasons that Chris was always starting the whole year. So knowing that, knowing that he's got to share time, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to some place like Georgetown or Yukon or Rutgers, some t- some school in the Northeast where, um, where he gets the majority of the minutes at the five and he gets to kind of show his abilities. So, you know, and, and then lastly, Antonio Reeves, I, I really expect Antonio Reeves to kind of test the waters, but still come back. I think he's set up for a really big year in the NIL it was a lot better than he thought. And I think he's more of a household name now, DJ, I don't know about uh, whether he's going to come back or not. And then of course we have the newcomers coming in. And I think then we'll probably try to go get a, uh, a guard to come off the bench, maybe someone super athletic that can play defense one th- and guard one through three. And I would, I'd want to see someone to come in and help Lance and kind of be another big bruiser or a stretch four uh, is another thing that we probably need. So I, I would expect maybe two transfers. And I think that's kind of what they'll round the roster out with. Yeah. I think Lance coming back, you know, you get your guy off the bench that can come in for a few minutes, CJ, who knows, because he, you know, is he married? Is he recently um, engaged? He's never had a year at Kentucky where he's been injury free. He's never actually been able to, you know, practice and you know himself. We have never seen the right version of CJ. So, I mean, I would love for him to to stay another year, play off the bench, provide some valuable minutes. Uh, Damian Collins. We didn't talk about Damian Collins. Oh yeah. Uh, I think Damian's the 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 odd man out. Damien's got a lot of ability that you can't teach a kid's athleticism. However, I just don't know if Kentucky is the place that he's going to put it all together. 
I don't know if his best basketball is going to even be in the next two years. Um, he's a great kid. He's been through a lot. I personally, as knowing his personality and knowing the fishbowl Kentucky is in, I would probably advise him to go elsewhere, maybe go somewhere like a TCU, somewhere where he can have a big role, a bigger role, you know, maybe not be the starter, but, you know, consistently pay 20 plus minutes a game and not have a like this pressure on him of playing under Cal playing under all these fans who expect like instant results. Um, I didn't really like the fit with him in the first place um, with Kentucky. So I kind of expect him to move on. Uh, and, you know, with Bradshaw coming in with the transfer, I don't even know if he's going to get any more minutes than he, he did next year. Uh, when it comes to CJ, I don't know if CJ will ever be healthy. And um, I would rather that spot go to a guard that we can kind of rely on because depth was a huge concern for us against Kansas state. Like we were playing like six, six guys like that could really even contribute. And that's just not enough. And you see some of these teams like UConn, UConn's got guys that were starting on other, other rosters off their bench. So, you know, I really want to see players on the bench that are healthy that could provide depth because there were injuries are going to happen. I don't actually think Kentucky has more injuries than any other team. It's just that we don't have any depth. Other teams got dudes that can next man up, you know? So true. Michael, anything you want to add to this? Yeah, depth is always an issue. Uh, even in the win against Providence, Kentucky had exactly zero points off the bench. Um, I, I mean, you, you just you, you can't have that happen because you never know when injuries are going to happen. You certainly never know when somebody's going to get in foul trouble. You, you have to have that. Um, as far as the roster goes, like uh, Damian Collins, I think, is a perfect example of when Cal says Kentucky's not for everybody, I never actually thought that Kentucky was ever for Damian Collins. Um, I, I, I've never met the kid, uh, so no slander uh, to you, Damian. Um, I, I just don't think that Kentucky is where you're going to be able to showcase your talents the way that you can, probably in a similar way to uh, Bryce Hopkins. Uh, Kentucky was never going to be the place that Bryce Hopkins could put up a double-double on a consistent basis. Uh, he moved on, and it was best for him, and it was best for, for Kentucky, and probably we're going to see something similar for Damian Collins, unless he's just willing to um, you know, fill a roster spot, get five minutes a game, uh, come in occasionally when somebody does get into foul trouble, if he's willing to accept that role. But like, I, if we had that kind of talent, if we had his size, if we had his athleticism, we probably wouldn't want to settle for you know g getting a, a coach's DNP most games. Like that's just that, that's that, that's not good for him. So I I totally get that. Um, I think from from a roster perspective, I'm I'm really anxious to see Reed Shepard. So I'm trying to figure out: is he Kentucky's next Darius Miller? Or is he Kentucky's next John Hood? Love John Hood. John, John's from from uh, my 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 state, my city, my my high school. Um, but like, I don't know what we're gonna get out of Reed Shepard. Um, is he gonna be able to defend uh, against SEC talent? Man, the SEC tore it up in the first couple rounds of the NCAA tournament this year, and we were so high. I know I was on the SEC. I'm like, you know, we actually got a lot of slander throughout the season, and now the SEC is showing out. And then 
you look in the Elite Eight and you look in the Final Four and there's nothing to be found there. Uh, <laughs> but I, I still believe that the SEC has um, the best athletes, the, the, the biggest, the best. And, you know, how, how's he going to fit into that? I, I don't know. But I also think that now we have to figure out how quickly can Cal put together the right pieces. This team is, I, I, I'm going to say, at least on paper, and maybe I'm wrong and you guys can, can correct me, but on paper I think this is going to be the most talented team since either 2010 or 2012. So it's going to be a matter of how does Cal find minutes for five starters? Is it going to be everybody gets 30-plus minutes like we saw this year? Is it going to be everybody gets 20 minutes like we've seen in the past and there's an opportunity for a platoon? Can't call it a platoon. We won't play 10 players. I'm not going down that road, but you, you understand where I'm, where I'm heading with that. Yeah. Uh, like We have the ability to do that. Um, I think that's going to be Cal's biggest challenge. Uh, where most years, I think that shouldn't be the biggest challenge. I think next year it will be. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll get to see a preview um, of that at some point. And these kids can start to play together with one another and start to mesh. Uh, because I, I personally never felt like this year's Kentucky team was the, the team that we thought they could be. And I'm not talking about individually, some players didn't necessarily live up to the hype or live up to their potential. Like as a team, Kentucky just didn't play that way. Yep. And you have to be able to do that to, to win games, especially the games that matter, the games that count. And I think that's going to be Cal's biggest challenge next year. Let's go through these newcomers. Like for Reed, if Reed is even close to his dad, like Jeff, over time, not the first year, but if he brings a steadiness, he seems to be like a really great team player. So I'm pretty high on him. My biggest concern with these five guys coming in is Robert Dillingham. And I dilly think, dilly. yeah, Shay might want to talk a little bit about Robert. Yeah, Dillingham. I mean, Dillingham's a wild card on the court and a wild card off the court also. So like, you never know what you're gonna get. You kind of like a you know a wild horse. You don't want to spook it. You just want to kind of keep it as long as you can, and you know, hopefully, yeah. maybe you'll be able to coax it. And um, there are a lot of factors. I mean, I, I don't think that in his defense, I don't think there's any situation where like he doesn't want to play for Kentucky. I just think that this kid kind of is so riding the wave that like things change for him instantly. I mean, maybe there's some academic issues too, and so there are just so many factors that are preventing him from maybe ever making it on campus. That I wouldn't be surprised if. It's really a toss-up whether he he can make it on campus. But saying that, like, if I had to choose, I'd rather have Antonio Reeves. Um, he's a lot yeah. more stable as a basketball player and a human being. Um, he's already proven he can score in the SEC, where a freshman, like, you know, he's Antonio Reeves is an extremely consistent shooter, except the last game. I mean, he shot quite consistently through, throughout the second half of the season when he got comfortable. So I'd rather have that guy on the roster. Um, when it comes to the newcomers, uh, Reed – um, I have a lot of faith in him. You got to remember that his dad played in the NBA, like maybe limited games, but his dad played pro basketball. So his dad knows what it takes to be a pro basketball player. Um, Reed is no athletic slouch. Like maybe he's not the athlete that his dad was, but I think he's much more skilled than his dad was at the same age. I 
don't think that John Calipari went after him as hard as he did and locked him up early, um, you know, without liking his game because he wasn't the only guy that only son of a former Kentucky player that John Calipari could have gone after. I mean, Jamal Mashburn Jr. is having a fantastic season at uh, New Mexico State. Um, uh, Sir Muhammad is a recruit and Nazir Muhammad's Nazi Muhammad's son. Cal hadn't gone after him. I mean, probably he's a Rick Pitino guy, but you get you get what I'm saying. Like it, it's it's Cal really liked his game. It wasn't just a fact of him being a kid that has the Shepherd last name. So um, those two guys, you know, that's that's what it is with them. Justin Edwards is my favorite player in the class. Justin Edwards has a chance to be really really special. Like he reminds me a lot of a young Tayshawn Prince, a little bit more of like a shooting guard version of Tayshawn Prince. Um, my favorite cat of all time is Tayshawn. So. Justin, his only thing is that he needs to learn to be an alpha. He needs to learn that he's the guy, he's the best player on the court. He wants to defer too much. He wants to play team basketball too much, which is not a bad thing. But, um, you know, just knowing that he's got to take the game over, that he's one of the best two-way players in America. He can hit threes. He can hit mid-range shots. Um, he's 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 got a pro-level game. DJ Wagner and Aaron Bradshaw have looked like the two best players at the McDonald's American practices today. I mean – we joke because there's a lot of conflicting, like, you know, reports on Aaron Bradshaw. Like, how good is he really? Some people call him, like, a uh, unicorn. Some people say that, you know, he's really not that good. Well, he looked like AD today. He was hitting mid-range jumpers and three-pointers. And, uh, and and one of the things I want to point out is that one of the shots, I don't saw you the video, he was dribbling right, and then he pulled up for a jumper. Now, I don't think people realize that that's actually a quite difficult thing to do for a lot of players, to dribble to their right and then go right into a jumper. A lot of times you could dribble to your left and then it's more natural to go into a jumper, but he was dribbling to his right, then hit a jumper over Bay fall, like a seven footer, like it was easy. So, um, you know, his defense isn't on the level of Ugo's, but he's going to be a huge piece for, for Kentucky next season. Um, and again, bringing in some transfers, like I really want to see them get a stretch four. I think that would be a really good complimentary piece. A guy that can bring offense, uh, be okay. Defender. Uh, and just provide some rebounding, but be able to stretch the floor. Um, that would be really exciting for the from the, from the four spot. And I really think that you know, like Michael said, like this roster this year was not constructed well because there was no there was one guy who was a true point guard, really. And when that guy decided to get injured or stop playing basketball for some reason or another, like we were forced to move a guy that it was kind of like a combo guard into the point guard role, and he forgot all about how to score until the last game. So, you know, kind of forcing guys to play out of position, forcing like Lance Ware to play power forward. It was just a lot of really weird combinations because of lack of depth. And I really want to go see us get depth. If that means we go get a guy like Puff Johnson, who, you know, doesn't need to play a lot of minutes that will just provide depth, then go get those guys. I'm sure there's a mid-major guy somewhere that's willing to take some minutes, fill up those roster spots with like seniors and just, you know, they're one-year rentals because, it's ridiculous because a lot of the other teams have that. Um, Cunningham for Texas playing a ton of minutes. You know, a guy that was wasn't brought in to to play play a lot or contribute a lot. And you know, just get some vets that you can plug and play when you need when you need somebody to play their true position instead of trying to keep the rotation so short because you're afraid to upset anybody because they don't get any playing time. Um, that's kind of what my comments are. I will also say the last thing I'll say is that I see a lot of talk. Uh, on Twitter and from other other fans that, oh, why doesn't Kentucky reach out to anybody in the transfer portal? Why don't I hear anybody reach reach out in the transfer portal? Well, 
Kentucky is very quiet about the way they do things. They don't like a lot of information out there. There's a lot of negative recruiting that happens against Kentucky. Uh, they want to keep things. They tell players all the time, hey, we're offering you. Maybe don't make this offer public until we tell you to make this offer public. Maybe it's a situation where they don't want to upset any of the guys on the current roster. Because as you know, Kentucky is a very like dramatic place to play basketball. It's like the Los Angeles Lakers of uh, of college basketball. There's enough storylines outside of what happens on the court. So I have no doubt that Kentucky has reached out to multiple players in the transfer portal. They just haven't made it public. So that's one thing. Number two, it's very early. The NCAA, the finals that game hasn't even happened yet. So you can't just take the first card that you go look at the lot. You know, you got to go, you know, wait. You can be more patient because there's going to be really good guys that come up in the transport portal that play high major basketball. Doesn't mean you take the first mid major guy that you see just because out of panic. Um, after the NBA combine happens, um, there'll be guys that get put, pulled their name out of the NBA draft and then they decide they want to transfer. Those are the guys you want to go get. So as fans, just remember that if there's playing time to be had, People will come to play. Don't worry. We'll have a roster at the end of the year, like that year that we thought we weren't going to have a point guard, and then we got Ty Ty Washington. There'll be reclasses that happen. Be patient. I mean, when it comes to getting dudes, I think Cal knows what they're doing. They got a coaching staffing issues, like changes going on. There will be some dudes that come and play. Let's just hope they mesh together because we had dudes on our team this year, but just injuries, you know, lack of mental focus, all these other things. So maybe hopefully the next squad will mesh together a lot more well and we'll have some players. I like it. Let's talk about Cal. Like you know, there's a segment of the BBN that aren't crazy about Cal. I mean, I like Cal, but I'm also a person that, you know, I have only so much patience. This, this roster coming in next year looks, looks great. You, you got a lot to work with. What if it, happens that it doesn't work out where do we stand with cal at that point and who do we start looking at as a potential replacement for cal scott drew is the one that comes to mind i'll let you i'll let you two start the discussion though michael go ahead yeah so i would love to have scott drew i've i have no problem with scott drew whatsoever uh but i know people also wanted nate oats hey, hey people you still want nate oats i don't think so so I think it's, uh, you know, be, be careful what you, you ask for. Um, it, for me, it's always a function of can you do better? It, it's not just a matter of replacing something. Um, it, re- replacement is easy. Finding something that is equally good or better, that's really, really hard. And for a, as much as uh, the certain segment of BBN has given Cal uh, so much crap the past few years. Some of it may be deserved, but like I also feel like, um, w- first of all, I think Kentucky basketball has some of the smartest fans in all of sports. I honestly do. I have personally spoken with people that can go back 20, 30, 40 years and give me play-by-play on games that I never saw. That's fantastic. But there's also a segment, because our fan base is so large, there's also a segment that wouldn't be happy with Pat Riley from the Lakers. I, 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 and there, there's nothing that you can do. There's no conversation that you can have to 
really try to convince these people that they're not being reasonable. So if I'm asking myself what's reasonable, we have the talent coming in next year uh, to go to a Final Four. But once you get to a Final Four, I mean, there's no guarantee that, that you're going to win, even if you have the best teams. There's no guarantee that you get to a Final Four, even with the best talent. Again, there's a, a four seed, a five seed, a five seed, a nine seed. This year, the best talent didn't get there. So l- let's let's use what's happened in this year's NCAA tournament to refocus our effort on getting the best players and doing something really good with them instead of only focusing on the actual outcome of the season where the last game is a loss, whether that's in a championship game or the first round of the tournament or anywhere in between. If the only thing that you're going to focus on to define whether your coach is the right coach for the team or not is whether your last game is an L or a W, you you need help. You actually need help. That being said, love Scott Drew. I love what he's done. I think he he coaches um, a very fluid, dynamic game. I feel like he can be an ambassador and a spokesperson for a program in a way that Kentucky would need because re- it's not just about the X's and O's. It's not just about the execution. It's not just about getting the best players. You have to be able to talk the talk and walk the walk. And that's probably more difficult in Kentucky than any other place on earth. So I feel like he could do that. But sadly, guys, uh, and educate me, I don't feel like there's a lot of coaches out there that are actual, like, legitimate coaching prospects in Kentucky. Like, you can pick a name. But I don't feel like that the uh, pool of potential Kentucky coaches, whether that's one year away or three years or five years, is actually that large. And that's something that really makes me nervous because if Kentucky wins a championship next year and Cal decides to peace out because it's a perfect time for him to leave, um, you know, maybe we get Scott Drew, maybe we don't. But are there other coaches out there that you could definitively say right now you have no issue with him stepping in and being able to do all the things that a Kentucky coach could do? I don't see a lot of choices. I don't see a lot of options. Yeah, I think – like, I like Drew because the fact that he's actually won a title, you know, yep. 2021, they won a title. He knows how to build rosters, and he can recruit well. And, like, he, that's the things you need. So that's why I'm kind of high on him. You know, some of the guys like Oates and Musselman, I think how Oates has handled the situation in Alabama regarding the shooting was just so poorly done. And then Musselman, you know, he can't keep his shirt on. Um, he's a, he's a little, little bit of a weird one. I don't know about him. He, he had the best collection of talent this year, probably in college basketball. Um, yeah. And kind of pissed it away. You know, what about, was, what, what about Danny Hurley? Cause uh, UConn's making a hell of a run. I mean, that, that, that name has meaning in, in basketball. What do you think about Hurley? I like well, him. I, 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 Shay, I, I, let, let me just talk about, I like him a lot. Um, I think Kentucky fans are going to immediately be off-put by the last name, but I would say get over it. Um, I, I think he is a hell of a coach. He's showing that he can do that now. Um, I don't know that he's been in that role long enough for me to say he could handle the spotlight in Lexington, Kentucky, because Stores, Connecticut is not Lexington, Kentucky. But maybe he could. 
maybe he's somebody that we should at least consider because right now he's doing a hell of a job. Oh, he's still young. He's only 50 years old. And, and, and you know, his brother is the Dookie. He's not the Dookie. So I think we'll be okay with him. I mean, he's a, and he's a vastly better coach than his brother. So that, yeah. that last name though, man, that last yeah. name. Um, when it comes to Cal's hot seat, like it's kind of like we're kind of being held hostage by Cal. And I don't mean it as a, as an insult to him. Cause he's done a great things for the community. I love Cal. I'll always be thankful for what he did for, for, for Kentucky, but we can't really, we kind of built a guy up so much. We can't really kick him out. He kind of has to leave when he's good and ready. And I think he kind of senses as well. It's kind of not working out anymore. Um, but we'll give it a final shot with the kind of talent that we usually have. Um, but I think at this point we all have kind of like a fatigue of Cal. Like he's such a larger than life personality. I think we want a next coach maybe not to have that kind of feeling because it feels like he's bigger than the program when he's not. And we want our next coach to not have that. I personally feel that after next season, whether we win or we lose, an organization needs fresh perspective. And I think he, he and the administration are, are going to agree to kind of move in a new direction for, for both because it's time. And I expect at that time that – Scott Drew will be the call just because I think a lot of things make sense. He's not my personal number one choice. I have no problem with him. He's a great coach. I think he'll do he'll do really well. But uh, I kind of want someone that's more of a sexy hire, maybe more of a roll the dice hire type of guy. Um, I think Scott Drew can win. I think the next coach we choose, because I feel like we can get Scott Drew anytime. <laughs> but I think like the next coach we choose, we could really kind of swing for the fences. And it could work out. It could not work out. I'm willing to take the risk. Um, I actually like Nate Oates. I would still kind of maybe roll the dice with Nate Oates, kind of let, you know, maybe he'll grow from what happened this, this year. But with going back to Scott Drew, you know, he's only 52 years old. Uh, he's already won a national championship. He plays an exciting style of basketball that focuses, uh, you know, around really, really tough guards, which will be, which is perfect for the SEC. The type of defense he plays, which is like a no middle defense where they deny, they ice ball, ball uh, they ice screens. Uh, it really forces the other team to pay, play your style and your pace of basketball. Unlike Cal, which really Cal kind of feels like he could go in and play any style of basketball and win. And you can, when you have the best talent, but he doesn't make the other team play his game. And that's kind of one of my biggest problems with Cal. Like his only, the only type of time that he makes the other team play his game is when we're already up and then he plays stall ball, you know, that's kind of like the only time. And so that's something that Scott drew does differently. And then Scott drew, you know, he took that program from dead in a ditch where one player, like, you know, they had the murder on the basketball team. He took that program in 20 years to a national championship. He has nothing left to prove at Baylor. The Baylor's in Waco and he got players to come to Waco, Texas, like not an exciting place to go. I think he could do even more in uh in uh in lexington and on top of it the big 12 is closest to the sec if not more than the sec in athleticism and, and toughness so it's an easy transition for him uh but keep in mind you know when cal got here the sec was full of kind of middling piddling coaches and now there's a like a like elite level coaches elite level coaches across the board in the yep. SEC, if the SEC is not a joke anymore. even even bad teams have elite level coaches. Missouri, Missouri has Dennis Gates. Dude, look at Ole Miss. They got you know a choker, got beard. but yeah, but yeah, but he's. I mean, Stackhouse is not a bad coach anymore. Uh, Todd Golden is one of the most well-respected young coaches. Chris Jans is well-respected. Buzz Williams, who 
is well respected, but probably going to move on from Texas A&M. So it's not a, it's not each team has a good coach now. It's not like it's not a pushover conference anymore. But you know, but, when we talk about Cal, I, I feel like uh, just one more point about Cal. I, I feel like that he I, and and I love him to death. And again, I, can you find a better coach? Uh, probably not. But well, I guess we'll see. But Cal, I think, fits the definition of too big to fail. I think we have uh, we as I don't want to say as fans because I don't want to give us too much credit than we actually deserve. But I think the program itself has built up and allowed Cal to build himself up to the point where he is a too big to fail. And, you know, I I don't think anybody wants a a Lehman Brothers in in this program. (laughs) And, And I kind of feel like, you know, for the last three or four years, that's been what we've been living through. Um, and, and I hope that that doesn't continue to be the case, but um, there won't be any relevant excuse next year. That There just won't be. Like, you, you can't say, well, somebody got injured because there should be a dude at every position and a dude coming in to back up that person at every position. There's there's nothing that you can say next year. There aren't any excuses that can be made. As, yeah, that's why I think next year is like the make or break year. Yeah. And Cal and Cal kind of victim of his own success. At the, yeah. per, at that time in college basketball, at that environment, his method worked. But now college basketball has changed. There's more parity. There's a transfer portal. Uh, there's an emphasis on skill over athleticism. The type of guys that he would go and recruit. He's not be able to get anymore because there are more teams recruiting one duns, which is why I think it's kind of insanity to keep using the wrong tool for the job. Yeah. It kind of feels like, and you know, that doesn't mean that 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 tool wasn't useful at one point in time. It's just now we got to move on to the next thing. And I really think someone like Scott Drew will actually do really well at the at the at Kentucky just because he recruits guards that are super tough that you need that, that that you need in the NCAA tournament. And then he, he's able to fill the roster with really good role players that are veterans or that know their role. And I mean, he's palatable to the fan base. I think Mitch really, really likes him. I uh, probably guy that he's, they see eye to eye. Uh, so I can see him having a lot of success at UK. And I think it's kind of going to be a little bit of like catharsis, but also like, uh, how did, the best way to say it is that kind of like a weight lifted off that we, you don't have that cow fatigue anymore, but then we're going to be bored. Like what the hell do we talk about? Like, <laughs> you know, <'cause laughs> yeah. he's got, he's got the personality of like wallpaper. Like he's yeah. not like the most exciting guy in the world, but like maybe we need that after, after living with this big personality for the last 12 or whatever years. Um, I know, but we talked about this earlier. Like, what do you think of Sean Miller? I mean, I know we want to move away from Cal and Sean Miller is basically Cal Jr. He's like his little brother. But a, there's a lot of people are now getting wise because of how far Xavier went with, you know, that roster. With Adam Kunkel as their shooting guard, how far they went in the NCAA tournament. And they're realizing that, you know, he made some changes. He's a lot better coach than he was when he was at Arizona. And, you know, if he's doing that at Xavier, think about what he could do at Kentucky. I'm not high on him. Uh, but you know that, um, it's, I think his lack of success at Arizona really skews the way I look at him. Cause he had so much talent there, like really good teams and just could not get over the hump. So 
I, I'm not crazy about him. I think he is a, a good coach. Um, and he did do a lot with a very, you know, not great Xavier roster. I don't know, Michael, <laughs> what's your thoughts on this one? No, I'm, I'm the same, Terry. Um, I, I don't like him. Um, I, I don't like anytime your, your coach is being investigated. Like that's, you know, coach investigated in the same sentence. Um, that, that, that turns me off right away. Um, I, I I don't think I here here's the deal. Um I, I think he's actually underperformed most seasons for the talent level that he's had. And again, Terry, I'm with you. I'm basing most of that on his time at Arizona. It's not that I think he's necessarily a bad coach. And you know, maybe let's take a step back. Regardless of what a track record is for for a coach, I think once you get to Lexington and you realize um the talent that you have, the facilities that you have, the fan base that you have, all of those pluses, all of those checks that you don't have at other places, I think it can make you a better coach. So I, I don't want to exclusively make this a conversation about who's the best coach to come in and to do the most. I, I actually think that there are a number of coaches around the nation at various levels that could come in and have a high level of success in Kentucky. I, I really do. And I don't want us to, to minimize or, or to, to fail to understand that. But if we're talking about who, who we actually prefer, I do not prefer Sean Miller, period. I, I don't think he's your number one call, but I think the idea that he – there are a lot of coaches that have not gotten over the hump, made a, made a move, and then done it after that. So – he has yeah. won 30, 30 games multiple times, like four or five times at Arizona until that cloud came down. The things that he got kind of caught for, they're not really issues anymore at post-NIL. He also was trying to – I mean, like I told you guys, like your favorite team, their coach, his, your favorite team's coach has done things to get guys on campus. It's just – that's the cost of doing business. That's what you have to do in this college basketball. It you always had to do to get dudes on campus. It was always going on. It was only a problem when he got caught. That kind of shows me he's going to do what it takes to make sure your program, he's not going to be holier than thou in the sense that like, I'm not going to do what it takes to get, get the players that we need to win. Yes. He hasn't gotten over the hump, but I've also heard that he's made staff changes this time around to really support him with his de deficiencies as a coach. Something Cal has not done. Uh, Shay, that that's fair, but I don't want somebody that can just, uh, do what needs to be done. I want somebody that can do what needs to be done and not get fucking caught. Don't get caught. But I don't think he can get caught for that anymore. You not know? anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying that he should be the first call. I'm thinking like you know personally, I want Billy Donovan. I don't think it's going to happen, but like I think that's the the match made in heaven. Yep. That that I, that's I, that's my number that, one. Yeah. I don't really. Think yep. I mean, I don't. I think he just doesn't want to be here because. Rick has told him how much how difficult it is that no matter what you do, they're going to hate you. So just don't even put yourself through that because um, the, the expectations are unrealistic. If you know if you get a number one recruiting class, they're going to be like, oh, that's awesome. But now I want some veterans. Why don't I have any guys that can perform as veterans? When you get veterans, they're going to be like, why don't you get number one recruiting classes anymore? So it's just <laughs> a un, it's yeah. it's a, it's it's the Kobayashi Maru. It's like an unwinnable unwinnable like situation. So. Billy I think Donovan really, has yeah. such great hair. I would hate for him to come to Kentucky 
and two years into <laughs> it, that hair is as gray as it can be. Uh, he, he, he does not deserve that, but he would absolutely be my first call because he would he would just crush it here. He would crush it at every level in every way. Yeah, period. He would. He would, and I mean, it's it's just not going to happen. I think it's just he doesn't want to be here. I don't know why he doesn't want us, but he doesn't. He's I think scared. Realist, I, I think he's realistically, everyone is going to call him out. Yeah, everyone he's scared. He, he had he had this job if he wanted yeah, it. I know. He's too scared. He's too scared. We all need to just pray that Scott Drew will say yes, and I think he will. I think he knows that like that's the next step. I agree. And and I think yeah. I I honestly feel like the conversations have already happened. Uh, like yeah, I've, I mean, I've been to I, Waco, you know, yeah, I've been to Waco. You you, you want to go to Lexington? Yeah, I th- I think the conversations have happened behind the scenes, and he's he hasn't really taken another job. He's turned down a several jobs, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he's just biding his time, waiting because he knows that this job is going to be his. And I mean, it's not going to be exciting, but we'll win. We'll do well. There'll be years, one year we'll be down. Not unlike what was going on. It's just there's never going to be a run, I think, anymore. Like like Duke had, like Cal had from like 20, 2019 to 2015. It's just not going to happen anymore in, at no. any level of college basketball. I think Gonzaga was the most recent to really do it and look where it got. Like I feel real bad, but that was their window, you know? Yeah. Their window's over now, and I just – if I'm Mark Few, I'm thinking maybe I go to Texas. Maybe I go somewhere else. That's got deeper pockets because I just don't see how he's going to get another Drew Timmy. I think he loves Spokane and Coeur d'Alene yeah. so much. I don't think he'll ever leave up there. But all right, guys, I, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. One more. I, I just don't. I just don't see how he he's going to be able to be as good, collect that talent that he had before anymore. This was their last shot, I think. Yeah. Too. I don't. I think yeah. it's done. All right, final four predictions: UConn versus Miami, FAU. Versus SDSU, which I think is a kind of a hard game to to pick. I think UConn is going to be in the championship game, but the other side of the bracket, FAU is like, I mean, the net loves that team, but San Diego State has a really, really good defense, like really good. But I'm going to pick FAU to meet UConn in the final, and I think the Huskies are going to prevail and get their fifth national championship. And Danny Hurley will be hot. Coaching prospect. Yeah, Terry. I mean, I, go ahead. Go ahead, Shay. Yeah, you got to re- agree. I mean, FAU, I think, wins it, and 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 UConn takes the national championship. I am not going to be different. Man, y'all suck. Because I, I wanted to do something different, but uh, here's the reality: uh, in 18 out of the last 20 seasons, the eventual national champion has been top 20 in Ken Palm's adjusted offense and adjusted defense. There's only one out of the final four teams that that describes. That's the UConn Huskies. So because of that and because actually they're playing really good basketball. I mean, I, I don't know that we've given them enough credit. They're, they're beating up on teams. They're imposing their will. They're hitting shots when they need to. They're getting the ball inside and being dominant. They're, they're playing pretty damn good defense. Like, they really are uh, the legit team. And they've been, I think, for the most part, kind of under the radar most of the season. And that's that's a shame. that They shouldn't have been. Um, I, I was high on K-State. I was high on UConn all season long. Now UConn is in the Final Four. 
Um, I do think that uh, they'll cut down the nets. Um, in the other game, San Diego State has gotten there by playing defense. Um, I love teams that, that play good defense. I feel like Florida Atlantic probably was misseeded. Um, and I, I really like the way they play. They're easy to root for. I'm going to personally be rooting for Florida Atlantic, but I think San Diego State is going to get there. Will San Diego State be able to um, hit a big shot when it matters? Will they be able to put up enough points? I don't necessarily know, but um, I, I, I'm going to say that they do. So uh, just to be a little different, uh, I'm going to say Connecticut wins. Uh, they're going to beat San Diego State, uh, fifth national championship. And we have to respect the fact at that point, if not sooner, but definitely at that point, that the Connecticut basketball team is officially a blue blood. I agree. You're I agree. a blue blood. You got you got five titles. You're a blue blood. Under three, yep. three, four coach, three coaches, right? Under three coaches. Yeah, it's wild. Crazy. He just it just kind of snuck up on us. I always hated yeah. Calhoun. I always hated Calhoun. Same. He oh, he's the ass. worst. Yeah, Jerk. one of the worst guys in college basketball. Dirty. One of the dirtiest coaches there was. Dirt, dirtiest, but has some of the best guards. Oh, he, he in, hates in the tournament. Yeah. He hates, he Cal. hates, he hates Cal. Cal. He hates Cal. You know why he hates Cal? Chowda. Chowda. He hates Cal because Cal, when he was at UMass, pulled Marcus Camby out of Bristol, Connecticut. Marcus Camby lived in Bristol, Connecticut, and committed to UMass. <laughs> Goddamn, Cal. He's a magician. That's solid. Yeah. yeah. All right. I want Cal what happened to, to that guy? Year. What happened to that guy? <laughs> I want just kick just kick ass next year, Cal. Win a title. That's all, that's all you gotta do. That's all you gotta do. All right, guys. We've we've had a good show. We've talked about the Cats tournament success and not so much success. We've covered the roster. Cal's on the hot seat, Final Fours. I think we had a great show tonight. A absolutely. And I, I, I want uh, two quick shout-outs. One is uh, to my beloved Denver Nuggets. Uh, I'll be at Ball Arena tomorrow night when Joel Embiid shows up. Um, Joker is going to take him to school. Joker is going to be your MVP. But I'm really excited to see, for the first time in my life in person, uh, Maxi play. Maxi put up 37 last night uh, against Phoenix, and I think that's going to be a great game. Uh, really looking forward to that. Uh, but also to uh, shout out to the Transylvania women's uh, basketball team. Uh, on Saturday, they will play for a national championship in uh, Division Three. They enter that game a perfect 32 and 0, ranked number two in the country. That who is ranked number one? You, you ask. Uh, that is a team that they're going to be playing in the national championship, who I believe is also uh, undefeated, and that is the Christopher Newport Captains. I don't know anything about them, but uh, here's hoping that uh, the, the Fighting Pios take care of some business because that's always good for the Commonwealth when we spread the love around and we win in every division and every level. Michael, where can folks find you on social media? Ah, on Twitter, I'm at MGSimmons5280. That's at M-G-S-I-M-M-O-N-S-5280, home of the Denver Nuggets. Shay, where can you be found? Uh, you can find me all over Twitter, tweeting about random things, at A-B-O-F-S-A-R. That's A-B-H-A-V-S-A-R. 
I've been heavy on the jokes and sarcasm recently. I don't think a lot of people are getting that. <laughs> I, 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 I am I am getting them, and you've had okay. some really really awesome tweets. Awesome, yeah. dude. Somebody yeah. got somebody got an argument with today because I was joking about. Uh, I think there was a video of uh, uh, Reed Shepard playing Bronny James at the McDonald's All American game, and I said, "Oh, only one of these." Only one of these guys' dads is a, is a national champion. And a LeBron stand came out of nowhere and was like, who the hell is his dad? And then listed off all of LeBron's oh accomplishments. God. I'm like, do you not understand the joke here? Uh, no. But anyway. How many national college basketball yeah. championships did LeBron James win? Right That's exactly what I said. Okay, cool. Keep going with these accomplishments. But I don't see any uh, national championship for your Sad. Kentucky Wildcats on here. So uh, I, lo I love Twitter. Sometimes it's way too serious. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 this place is for fun. This app dude, is for this bird app is for fun. <laughs> I, I post stupid shit. You can find me on Twitter at Arizona Tyjo. I like to have fun on Twitter. I sometimes drink bourbon and tweet. It's fun. But guys, love the show. And as always, we appreciate all the support out there. So keep sipping bourbon and go cats.